Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas. And this week on The Stacks, we're doing something a little different. In light of the recent wave of book bannings all across America, I felt it was really important to spotlight what's going on. I have been really upset over everything I'm reading and hearing about, and so I wanted to take the time to address it on the podcast. Every single day this week, Monday through Friday, I'm talking to different people impacted by book bannings. My guests will range from educators and students to booksellers, politicians, and authors. Things have been moving really quickly in the book banning arena. And in an effort to be timely with our coverage of book bannings, we put together this whole mini series in about a week. These five days of coverage is not comprehensive, but instead a way to highlight more voices and to remind us all what is at stake. Throughout the week, you'll also hear from some of my favorite authors and thinkers about their favorite banned books. Everything we talk about on today's episode can be found in the link in the show notes. I also want to say, if you like what you hear, if you appreciate the work that I'm doing to create the Stacks every single week, please join the Stacks Pack on Patreon. The Stacks is a completely independent podcast, so without the support of listeners like you, there really is no show. You will get perks like our virtual book club and bonus episodes, and also you'll get to rest easy knowing your contribution makes the Stacks possible. So to join us, head to patreon.com slash the Stacks. All right, now let's get to today's episode all about the banning of books. All right, everybody, it is the final day of this week that I have not titled. I think maybe we're going to call it uh, Banned Books in the Stacks. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But I'm here today with a friend of the podcast and unfortunately a banned author, uh, author of Heavy, How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America, Long Division, Kiese Lehman. Welcome to the Stacks. Hey, Tracy. I'm happy to be here with you. Thank you. I'm always happy. I had to ask my mom. I was like, is it too much to have Kiese again? What'd she say? <laughs> she said, no. She oh. likes you. Yeah, but I'm always I was worried like, that, I, yeah. that I'm saturating it, but just, just, yeah. I think it's fine. Well, here's the truth. I just really want to talk to you about this stuff. Yeah. And so I don't really care. If, if everyone at home is annoyed, we won't have Kiese back for at least a month. Okay, get over it. Right. And, we're, like, yeah. and we're not really talking about my book, right? I mean, like the insides of my book, really. Not yeah, really right. Yet, we're so. talking about the outsides of your book. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. So wait, have you ever heard that podcast seen on radio? 
And it was like they did a series on whiteness and then they did a series on men. Mm-hmm. They did a series on. T- Anyways, it's like part of Radio Lab, I think, loosely. Oh, wow. And it was this white guy and he talked about whiteness. But that season, he brought on this black guy, his friend. Do you know Chendrai Komanika? Yeah. So Chendrai would come on and like debrief with the guy after he would have these like crazy conversations about whiteness. So you're sort of like my Chendrai oh, for this. Okay. Like you're going to like help debrief. We're going to talk through it. <laughs> it's going to be Chendrai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chendrai. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's start at the beginning. Do you remember the first time you found out that your book was being challenged or banned? Yeah. The first time was in March. My book came out in uh, October 2018. And I think around March was the first time that I heard that um, a principal or or a school was like banning it. And it was a school that I was I'd been asked to come speak at in, in Mississippi. And then I heard later on that week from a principal there that they didn't think that that my coming would be useful and that the book would not be read or allowed to be read on the, on the, on the campus. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Was it a high school? <sighs> yeah, this is where it gets it's complicated. It was a it was a high school, and I don't want to say the name, but it was a high school. I was doing a lot of work in Mississippi Delta, and I'll just say it was a school that was primarily for black, I mean, it was a school for black boys. So I was really right. hyped to go. And uh, I was invited by somebody who was connected to the school, and then I heard from the person who runs the school that not only was I not invited, but that that the book was banned. Like they would not let, they were not going to allow their um, students to read it. And if they read it on campus, they get in trouble and blah, 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 blah. But I was doing other stuff in the Delta at the time. So I was just like, that makes me mad, but I got other work to do. So I'm going to do it. I see. What about like everything that's going on now with like this recent wave of book bannings? Like what do you make of, this because it sort of feels different Mm -hmm. than book bannings like a few years ago even Mm -hmm. and especially different than book bannings like when I was coming up Mm -hmm. do you feel like there's something different at stake here or going on here yeah I I think one of the things that's different it feels different to me is that one like you know they're banning heavy for example in Missouri and Morrison, right? Like and George Johnson and other books but but Morrison so so when I saw that they were banning the bluest eye and heavy, I'm just saying because I wrote heavy, I was like, that feels different. But I still was coming along with the CRT bands and the mass mandate bands, which I think are kind of similar. Yeah. Um, and all of this is post Floyd, uh, you know, awakening, post whatever you want to call January 6th, insurrection, whatever. So I think all of this is like connected to that universe. But for me, it's that Morrison, like, that, that to me just feels different. Like that book, especially like that, that that's when, you know, it's not about the book at all to me. But that book has been banned a lot. It's like always on the list, but not by heavy, but not next to heavy. That's what oh, I'm saying. I it's see. just like when I, I saw, so like, you know, ban my book all you want to, but some of us actually like are here because of Morrison. And so it's just like, um, you know, my Angela always talks about like insult to injury and stuff, but like, it's just like, whoa, wait, wait, that, I don't know. Somehow it hurt more to see that, 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 that my book was banned next to the author who made a lot of us possible. Cause everybody knows Morrison is being banned everywhere, but yeah. I never look at the other books that are banned next to Morrison. When you see yours banned next to Morrison and you know, you're so indebted to Morrison for language that, that, that actually, it makes me angry, but and we could talk about the anger, but beyond the anger, it just like, you know, kind of like hurts my heart a little bit. 
Yeah. Well, that's sort of the question. I keep seeing like on Twitter, which I know is not a real place, but it's a place that I live. Um, <laughs> I keep yeah. seeing people be like, oh, like when an author posts like an article that's like, oh, my book is banned in this place, someone invariably will reply and be like, you should be proud. Like, that's awesome. And that's always struck me as not how I think that I would feel about my book being banned. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, is there a sense of pride in that or or what? is coming up when your book is banned. And again, I think this is what Ty, that's what I'm saying about Ty to Morrison. It's like, I feel a kind of pride that was some, some entity that deemed the bluest eye, like unreadable for children would also deem heavy unreadable. Like there's something, mm -hmm. if you really look and be like, okay, well that means I might be doing something right. But I wrote this book. You, people always talk about the audience. Like I wrote this book for young people, you know what I'm saying? And old people. But the young person in all of us. And so I get it, right? Like, it's a badge of honor to have your book banned by terrible people. Okay. But it also, I mean, it's also, honestly, it just kind of hurts. Because yeah. my history with with, with reading and, and, and writing and, and discipline are, are so tied to libraries. You know what I'm saying? I got kicked out of school for taking a book out of the library, bringing it back. Libraries for me, like, you know, people always tell those library stories. Libraries, people always talk about libraries being a sanctuary. Libraries weren't necessarily a sanctuary for me. I went into the library for different reasons. And um, so anyway, it but if I would have found a book like Heavy in a library, it would have helped my life. Just like if I would have found a blue eye. I, I found all of those books in my mama's house, in my mama's library. Um, and so the fact that kids, regardless of where they're from, have no possibility of finding those books in libraries. Or that's going to define what libraries do for those kids for forever. And I know the opposite is like, well, those kids are going to go and try to read those books because their, their parents said don't. Okay, maybe some. But I think a lot of others are going to be like, yeah, like libraries are places where certain books like, you know, should not be, should not even be read. And that's, that's scary because we are people who've thought a lot about love, justice, readability, childhood, and, you know, to take an audience away from us, who a lot of us sort of imagined as part of our audience, is just right. sort of, it's, it's, it hurts a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be very upset about yeah. if my work got banned. I think what you said about like kids, some kids maybe going and finding it. I think that that's like what we want to believe will happen. Right. But I, I really don't know that if I was a young person and I did not know about a book. Right. Like, I don't, I wonder how many like teenagers are up on what books are being banned in their schools. Like, are right. they reading the news? Are they, you know, following you on Twitter to know that? And so to my point, it's like taking it out of the school means it makes it impossible for a kid to like stumble across it because I just don't know that kids are going to actively go out and be like, what is heavy? Like, yeah, because they may have right. never even heard of it. They wouldn't even know what they're looking for. And that's why I feel like this conversation is so much more complicated than the conversations I've been hearing outside of this podcast. Because the person who first told me about the eventual banning of Heavy in, in Missouri, and I guess I think it's, I hope it's okay for me to say this, was one of the librarians at the school. You know, oh, like they mm -hmm. reached out to me and they were like, listen, something really bad is happening to you, Heavy. And I want you to know that we've tried to fight it, blah, blah, blah. But here's what's happening so 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 I think sometimes we can we can we can lose ourselves in this and be like it's the librarians 
Oh, also, right. You know, I just I, I just want to make sure people understand, like, school boards and librarians. I'm sure there are some librarians who are like, these, this, this book shouldn't be here. But in my in my actual experience, the librarians have the people have been the people pushing the book. So right. if students do read heavy in these schools where where heavy, for example, is banned, it's going to be because the librarians said, I think you should read that anyway. Right. Not just be, not not that the school board banned it and the kid is going to go find it. Yeah, right. I do think that we when we say that we're kind of playing ourselves, you know. Yeah, I just think it's like. I don't know. I was a teenager. I wasn't super yeah. like actively looking up banned books in my school right. district to right. like go find. <laughs> and then also that also implies that you have access to go buy a book somewhere else or go to your public library and find that. And like depending on who your parents are, maybe your parents are happy the book's banned. They don't want you to read it. So right. then you have to secretly go to the library or a bookstore. Like right. it just it's not quite as easy. People are like, oh, it's the information age. You can get anything online. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think you can just get heavy online. No, no. You have to have money to buy it on Kindle right. or Kobo or and you have to have one of those things. And like it gets to be slightly more complicated, especially if you're a young person, because, you know, maybe there's parental controls on yeah. your iPad, you yeah. know, like there's all sorts of barriers. So I think like this idea that any young kid can just get a book because it's banned is like, well, I don't I just don't know that that's true. Right. I mean, what I, I love the idea that we've really convinced ourselves of that. Do you know, like mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. We, we've really forgotten who we were as children. You know what I mean? Right. Like when I go into when if I when I was a kid and I loved to read and write what I wanted to read and write, but if I went into there were books being banned when I was a child. You know, you tell me a book's banned, I'm gonna go see if I can watch something on Cinemax. You know what I mean? Like right. I like like that. Right. that I, I'm not gonna be like, oh, I gotta go find that book now. You know what I mean? But yeah. but if there was a librarian, it was like, listen, the school board is banned this book, but I think it's a book you might really need to read. I still might say, okay, and not go read it. But I'm more likely right. to read it if somebody's actually like, you need to read that book, you know? Right, so, right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, I just, um, yeah, I was, I was not a contrarian child. Really. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't, I didn't like getting in trouble, so right. I don't, I don't like to do things that are bad. <laughs> so I would not read the book ever in my whole life. I like someone would be like, oh, this book was banned when you were a kid. I'd be like, well, I probably shouldn't read it. Like Tracy, you're 35. Like, no, I still don't think I should read it. <laughs> That's funny. That really funny. Okay, I do want to ask you about another like sort of personal part of this, which is. Your book's a memoir. Yeah. You lived what's in your book. Right. And it's being deemed inappropriate for children. Yeah. Obscene, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what's that like? I mean, this is where I started to be an asshole. And and, and I just want, I wanted to start this by not being an asshole. It, it's like, I just pity. I just, I just pity. I, 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 I love those children that aren't getting able to read the book. But I pity the parents for just being so fucked up to tell you the truth. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like you have to do nothing but pity parents who would say that a that that a book like Heavy, which is actually taking childhood super seriously, is right. something that like their child shouldn't read. And what they said about Heavy is that it was like pornographic, right? And child, it was the child pornographic stuff that they claimed was keeping Heavy out of of, of rotation. But, you know, we know that our childhoods are obscene. The nation has insisted on that. Like, our childhoods right. are partially obscene. Every single child in this nation, every single adult who grew up in this nation has had a, a, a somewhat obscene childhood. So I just don't think obscenity is still the word in 2022 we should be using to decide what's deemed, like, readable and not. So, you know, it, it, it makes me feel bad for those children 
because they have parents that I just think don't care about them. And that's what people be like, you don't know. And I'm like, well, I, that's what I that's what I feel. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, and, and I think this is tied to, you know, some people don't want their kids to go to school with masks at all where I'm right. from. Right. Right. I think I think I think and I think people who don't want their kids to go to school with masks often don't want their kids to read books that might encourage them to see the world differently or see their parents differently. And so the kindest thing I can say is that I pity those people and I, I hope I hope for the best for those children. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. That's, that's the nicest thing I can say. It's very bell hooks about like all about love. It's very like, you know, you can love your child. You can say that you love your child, but are you actually like loving your child? And what does that mean? And yeah. like keeping keeping information from them and keeping art from them and those things that I actually love. And I think like everyone would or most people would say, I love my kid. But like, is it an active practice of love or is it a sort of gesture or pontification or right. performance of love? And I think like. That's sort of the difference. And there's right? a through line. There's a through line with parents and parental groups that I've experienced who do not want their children to live in a country with clean air or clean right. water. Like, like, like in, for me, in my limited experience, there's a through line. Those, those parents often do not also want their children to read the work of Toni Morrison. And so, like, forgive me. If you don't want your child to read Morrison and you don't want your child to have clean air and you don't want your child to get something that they can harm you with, <laughs> you know, because right. you're probably like, like this is not really about any of these books. Do you know right. what I'm saying? And and, right. and, and, and I know the argument that it, that it is about the book and you should, you should really embrace that, but it's not about the book. It's not so about then what the is book. it about? What is it? What is it? It's I, I, because, because you can't tell me that those people have read the book. Like you can't, no, you can't of course not. Yeah. Course like, not. But what I think they have read enough of or heard enough of is that these are books that are pushing back against their worldviews and they're being written like a lot of them being written by different kinds of people. But this cluster of books that they're focusing on now happen to be written by mostly black people who are critical of the way anti-blackness works. And really, some of us who are writing these books are really like thoughtfully trying to explore like the way blackness and queerness and class and, and perceptibility and touch and abuse, like all of that shit works. And I think, again, if you're a terrified coward parent, you might not want your child to do that. But we know your child is looking at porn right now, fam. Like, right. And, you know, and, that, you know, and I'm not saying that's bad necessarily, but don't, do not act as if you're doing this out of a care for your child. Because like, right. a lot of your politics show the opposite. Why don't you want your child to have clean air? Why don't you want your child to have clean, clean water? Like, and why don't you want your child to want that for every single child in the universe? Because I guarantee the people who wrote those books want that. Like we right. want those those kids who aren't allowed to read our books to be able to have the cleanest air, drink the blood, like not get COVID, not get anybody else sick. We want that for those children and their right. parents don't. So I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say to that. Yeah. Did you read that Heather McGee book, Some of Us? Yes. That's what it, you're reminding me of. So good. So good. That book was so good. It won, didn't it? Wasn't it shortlisted for MBA or something like that? It, it was longlisted, Lo I think, long list. Okay, MBA. okay. No, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All She Carried was. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. But the Heather McGee book was like really, really yeah, because it speaks directly to what we're talking about. I mean, yeah, directly. it speaks directly to this idea of like, if you, it's the zero sum game that like a lot of white parents fear. If right. my kid has... If if I have to give black kids clean water, 
then my kid's water isn't cleaner than their water. Right. Even though even though the idea is if everyone has clean water, everyone has clean water, we can move on from this issue. Yeah. Yes. 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 And, you know, around healthcare and all, all of these things. And we haven't even talked about guns. You know what I mean? Like you, no, you, right. you don't wanna you know, this is the thing a lot of people are talking about. Like you, you don't you're you so your child is more likely to be able in your worldview to pick up a gun and use it responsibly. But they can't use this book responsibly. You know what I mean? Right. Like I grew up, I grew up around these people who were like, you know, I was a kid who was given a gun at like, you know, eight, and I grew up around lots, lots, of, lots. Of, I mean, I'm surrounding the place where I live, where lots of white boys who were given guns at like nine and ten, and so you can give a kid something that can kill a person from a hundred, two hundred yards away, <laughs> but Morrison and George Johnson and something I wrote is more dangerous. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think I think it is more dangerous if you have a particular sensibility. Yeah. 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 I think like one of the I don't know if you've noticed this, but one of the books that I know is being banned, but I feel like is not being talked about in the same conversation is the 1619 project. Oh, yeah. 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 That's why a, do you I mean, think why do you think that book is like being separated from these other books that are being banned though you know like because i know it's being banned places but like every time i hear about books being banned it's like tony morrison it's mouse it's george m johnson's book right it's fun home and it's never 1619 but we know 1619 is being banned and like being legally challenged and all this stuff right. so how come it's being excluded from this conversation well, because I think there's an argument to be made that the 1619 Project is the conversation and all of these other things are shadows. Do you know what I mean? Like the 1619 Project has been, you know, banned. Like, you know, for example, in, in the University of Mississippi where I teach, like it, it, it hasn't necessarily, you can't ban a book. But what you can do is you can create an institute that's going to work <laughs> to undo whatever that project might do, but it's a fucking book. Like, what is right. the project? Like, what is that project going to do? So so in, in my state, people talk about 1619 Project often. And I think all across this country, we, we saw, and I'm, I'm not talking about just people, because the other conversation is there are people on the left who think that 1619 Project is is whack. And, and so, like, I think that the 1619 Project and the backlash to it is part of what has like guided some people to start banning books, banning mm -hmm. CRT, and of I mean, and of course, it is not about the sixteen ninety project. It's about Black people and self determination, and and right. centering ourselves, and and actually wanting to critically look at ourselves and what white folk have done to us. Like that's what they don't want us to do. It appears the sixteen nineteen project was doing that, but I do think a lot of this is about the sixteen nineteen project. No, no yeah. question, no question. Yeah, I yeah. I do too. I think that it's like. Like you're saying, like they're pulling from the playbook that we're seeing against the 1619 Project. But it's just so interesting, like the coverage of it right. is like it's not being connected in the coverage, That's which I just point. find really interesting Yeah, because I do. I mean, it's certainly connected just on the fundamental ground of like banning books. Yeah. But it's also connected that like this current wave, I feel like, is in response to not just the book, but also the articles that came out in 2019 like the whole idea of the 1619 project so i don't know i just i i keep i keep wondering like when i hear it on other podcasts or on the news i'm like is anyone gonna even mention 1619 but you know this is the first time i've thought about this tracy but like something i think is so like important about what you're saying is that 
1619 project, like if opened up, right, is a web of like gives people a web of different like artists who are trying to explore different, right. you know, movements. And blah, 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 blah. The thing about a book, I'm just going to talk about heavy for a second. Like if you do read heavy, you don't just read heavy because like what I'm doing in that book is reading their eyes are watching God, reading Native Sun, reading The Color Purple, reading uh, Gorilla My Love, like reading Bell Hooks, reading Kim Kimberly Crenshaw. Like I'm, I'm like that book is also about the reading of books that they also don't want people to read. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I just think it's really important to think about sometimes how, you know, our books are so intertextual. And if you really do read some of these books, you're going to be asked to read some other really scary books. So they're, they're going right. to necessitate you reading other really scary books. And so, like, again, if you are a coward who does not want to be seen, you better keep that shit away from your children. Right. The question is, I just think you probably would have kept it away from your children, whether you whether you made a big deal about it or not. I don't think that it's like that's exactly yeah, right. Right. Like, again, I just don't know. I liked going to my school library. I liked going to the library in our neighborhood when I was a kid. I obviously like books, but even it's still true for me now to this day as a person who reads lots of books. I rarely read something that I see and have not heard about from someone else. Right. I'm rarely going into a bookstore or a library and just grabbing something off the shelf. Right. And I especially wasn't doing that at 9, 15, yeah. 18, 25. Yeah. Now, maybe more so because I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I can find something no one's talking about and like I can cover it on the show. But like, I just don't know that kids are like, going into their school library without the librarian saying, hey, little Kiese, I think you might like this. Right, right. You love this book. Check this book. out. Like, I just, I'm, I mean, maybe I'm not giving people enough credit and I'm only thinking about how I think about books. But like, if I haven't heard about something, I probably went into the library thinking about 20 books I have heard about, you know? Absolutely. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I hope that kids are <laughs> more open-minded than me. <laughs> uh, that, me too. I mean, that, that was me, you know. I mean, the book I got kicked out of college for, for, for taking, like, I wasn't even in the library to get it for myself. You know what I mean? My girlfriend was like, can you pick up Red Badge of Courage for my brother? And I was like, okay, I'll go get it. And I left my, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, right. like, I, 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 I think libraries have changed so many of our lives, but... I just think the way we talk and librarians have literally changed my life, but yeah. I don't know. The kids are just like treating libraries the way they treat fucking Spotify or some shit or, or, right. or, you know, like cable TV or, or, right. or, or YouTube. <laughs> I said cable TV. I'm old at YouTube. You know <laughs> They're saying? definitely not treating it like cable TV. <laughs> right, They're like, what's right, that? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Maybe they are treated like cable TV. Like, man, this shit whack, you know? Like, and, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Has being banned and being challenged or whatever, has that changed how you write or how you think about your writing or how you want to write? I, I mean, no, because like, again, like I, I, this is where I can't speak for anybody else, but I mean, I'm like, I got kicked out of school for writing. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get like, like I was on disciplinary probation because some white boys wanted to fucking fight me and my partner because of some shit I wrote and the entire, and the entire administration ganged up against me and my partner. You do you know what I'm saying? So I, I've always understood that, like, when you put this art out in the world, if it challenges white normative, often mask assumptions, people are going to come at you. 
So mm-hmm. I wasn't, it, it didn't hurt me when I found out initially that Heavy was going to be banned. Like, I understand this world. I understand what, what people want their white folks, especially who aren't, you know, really thoughtful, want their children to read. And, you know, some black folks were really, really into respectability and like really afraid. I, I understood there were going to be people who challenged Heavy. I knew I wasn't writing a book that was just going to be easy to consume. But I never thought that, I just keep having to come back. I just never thought that they would ban Heavy along with banning Morrison. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, I mean, that, 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 that to me was something I just never, never really imagined. So, so I'm saying I have to say, like, I know heavy has been banned like five, six different times by school boards, by librarians, by principals, blah, blah, blah. But also know that lots of, li- I mean, I, I'm talking to you right now because librarians took my book seriously. You know, like li- librarians decided I was going to win that Carnegie Medal. Librarians in Mississippi decided to give me, I think I'll tell you this, like, you know, all these Mississippi Library Association Awards. So I don't, I never saw librarians as necessarily like who I was fighting against. Um, but I did know that the system in which libraries are part, there are going to be people who found problems with heavy. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Earlier this week, we talked to Katrina Stokes, who is Mississippi librarian, and she talked about how, you know, how librarians are human, which I think was like sort of her way of saying that while some librarians are in favor of the books and are championing the books and fighting the bans, that like there are, you know, collections (laughs) that are curated by people who believe that, you know, certain things shouldn't be taught. I mean, she didn't, she did not say that exactly, but that's how I sort of read her saying that librarians are human. Of course. She was much more diplomatic than me. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) She's got a whole industry to protect. Um, I'm over here like librarians are banning shit. No, but I do think for the most part, you know, librarians and teachers are, you know, trying to do right within the parameters and, you know, sucks for them too i think mostly oh absolutely and the parameters have been set i mean i i just think we've all been under and miseducated in classrooms including librarians so like i love what katrina said you know like like we too as people who write these books like are mis and under and educated and so but that's why we often encourage people to read the books of people who take bookmaking seriously. Like, that's right. the thing to me. Like, I don't give a fuck if somebody reads some right wing, like, you know, yeah, I, I'm, you're not asking me this, but like, I, I, like, I don't care if people read the work of someone who's on the right, who actually has taken the time to put a book together. Like bookmaking matters to me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, yeah. but also you don't have to be politically right to under or left to understand that like, what shaped my understanding of the way race and gender and sexuality worked as much as church or anything else was schools and books. You know what I'm saying? Like when I would read books right. and they and they say call somebody a man and there wasn't, a, you know, wasn't a, a descriptive in front of it. I knew they were talking about white men because books taught me that. Right. right. Like when it was when, and then when they said when they were talking about like women. I, I didn't have to ask myself a question whether those women were queer or anything like that, because books taught me that women, women meant white, straight women like books taught me. So the fact is, like, yes, like all of these books, even the books that these people are trying to ban, like there's something in there that is in my book, in Morrison's book, in George's book, I think is actually like harmful. That's what revision is for. But open up the process and, let, and let's honor the people who actually take bookmaking seriously. And I'm saying that to distinguish people from motherfuckers like Pence and Trump and all and a lot of other people. Or it could be somebody else, you know, who politically is left, who like 
you know, I'm make any book you want to make, but like we got to take seriously the people who take bookmaking seriously. That's what I think. You know what I mean? Like, and with yeah. the understanding that there's going to be harmful shit in every fucking thing that you ever read, everything. All right, we're going to take a quick break to hear from some authors about their favorite band books, and then we'll be back for the second half of my conversation with Kiese Lehman. My name is Ariana Davis, and I'm the editorial director for The Today Show and also the author of What Would Frida Do? A Guide to Living Boldly. My favorite band book is The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, It's easy to understand why on the surface, some folks might think that this is a book that needs to be banned, but The Bluest Eye is not just a book about race. It is not just a book about sexual assault. The Bluest Eye is a book about overcoming trauma. It is a book about identity. It is a book about self-love, and it is written so poetically and lyrically by the one and only Toni Morrison. And it's a book that I truly believe that the majority of the people in this country who have not read it should and could read and would really, truly learn so much from. This is Clint Smith. And one of my favorite band books is Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give, because it fundamentally rejects the idea that young people shouldn't be having conversations about the nature of systemic racism. And I think it's a really important book to have in our schools. And I'm glad Angie wrote it. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you think that there's anything that children shouldn't know? That's like the best question ever. (laughs) It's like the broadest question ever. But it might be the best question. Like, no. I think that children should attempt to know everything. But I think that because I think knowledge, knowability is fluid. So Mm -hmm. I think our jobs as teachers, writers, parents might be how do we begin to encourage our kids to know blank. But I do think kids should have the opportunity to begin to know everything. I think so. I mean, that puts the onus on us, though, right? Yeah. And I think that's where it should be. They're kids. Right. I mean, I think I, th- I think about the failures in my life and, 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 and not and not not to blame my, my father, my mom, my grandma and them. But like, I wish my grandmother, my mother, my aunties, my father would have ever talked to me about sex. Like, Same. like, like ever, like tried. Like, could y'all say it? Like, I, you know, I've seen some of y'all doing it. I've heard y'all talking to each other about it. I'm real curious about it. <laughs> Can you directly address me in a way? And, you know. I don't want it to be like, don't do this, but I'll even take that. Like, just yeah. like, like, try to talk to me about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I, I like, you know, like I, I grew up in, I mean, I went to college, I went to a high school, like we never heard the words racism. We never, I mean, from our teachers, from ourselves, we, we never heard the words like patriarchy. We never heard the word massage. We never heard the word like poverty. Like, so I, yes, I think you should attempt to talk about Every, but that means you got to prepare yourself. You can't sit up in there and talk about no fucking quantum physics to a kid if you don't know shit about no quantum physics, right? right? You got to, you, right. you know, you can be on the phone. Like, let me go, let me go see if I can talk to Chanda. So she, yeah, no, you, you got to say you got to call yeah, Chanda. You got to, you, yeah, you got to call Chanda. You got to be like, I'm trying to talk to my kid about this shit. Can you, how would you, that's the kind of work I think we got to do. So yeah, I've, I think that's the answer to that question. And it's a scary answer. Because I feel like I'm, I'm, I might, I feel like, I feel like when you say yes to that, you're not being fair to kids, you're like burdening them with too much. But yeah, I don't know. I, okay, maybe. I this is like a really oversimplification of sort of the answer to that question because I agree with you. I think that the ki- the kids need to know everything. Yeah. Um, but I follow this like mommy you know, food blog thing. And it talks about like getting your kids to eat vegetables. And it talks about how to talk about that with your kids, Mm -hmm. depending on their age. So like when they're, you know, young, it's like yellow vegetables, you know, or orange vegetables make your heart happy. And then it's older. It's like orange vegetables have this in them, orange, like, and then it starts to become a conversation about like why it's important to have a balanced diet and like certain vegetables do certain things. But in the beginning, it's just like, Orange vegetables give you energy or whatever she says. 
and like talking like because kids should know about everything, but it has to be age appropriate, you know? So like I understand not giving an eight year old heavy for sure. Like feels like a lot. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, but like there we still have to be able to have books that access these same conversations and and parenting that accesses this converse these conversations at all ages like another anecdote is that we swear in front of our kids because i feel strongly as a person who swears a lot that you have to be able to know how to wield that kind of language right and so like it's not okay for my kids just to never know that the word fuck exists but right. they have to learn how to use it and say it and where to say it and when to say it and when not to just Absolutely. like any other word Absolutely. and i think a lot of parents are like oh you said fuck in front of my kid i'm like yeah and i'm gonna say it again because <laughs> right. i say it it's a <laughs> right. word it exists right. you know right. and like not to get like too on the nose about censorship quote unquote and whatever but like that goes the same for the n-word like yeah you have to know how to use it and yeah. a lot of people do know and want to pretend like they don't joe rogan right but to me it's like if i have to know about it as an adult or if i have to learn about it at some point in my life i would rather have learned about it earlier than later you absolutely know? And and you're learning like yeah. like that is that literally is my favorite word, right? Learning. No, the n word, oh. nigga. Oh. It, like that. Oh. That's my fa- <laughs> like that. Like that is my favorite word, right? Wait, how come I thought you were gonna say learning? Uh, because like I should say learning because I'm an author, but I am a nigga who is learning yeah. who loves to say the word nigga. Like like yeah. I, I I've written about it. I write through it. I write around it. Blah 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 blah. But. My learning about that word is not finite. I'm perpetually going to learn about that word and its yes. meanings and manifestations until I'm up out of here. So it just puts more incentive on us to ironically be children. Like we have to mm-hmm. educate ourselves to be able to educate our, our children, right? Like we have right. to be able, like there's this, there's this podcast called Freedom Means, which is all about how to talk to your children about shit like this. Like I learned so much from that podcast and I just think, I just think that's me. I'm not trying to put anything on anybody else, but I, yeah, I, I want to be able to talk to children about everything with the understanding that they are never going to have a finite understanding of anything. And yeah. I think if you if you take yeah. that if you take that approach, I think it changes it changes the um, expectation right. a bit. And I I mean, this is very me my experience in my life. So, you know, different kids, it might be different. But my experience as a child is that my parents always put us in front of stuff and Mm. then and then let the conversation happen. Like, I think I mentioned this this week already, but I can't remember. But, you know, (laughs) we're Jewish and um, my parents took us to the Holocaust Museum when I was like eight or nine. Whoa. Which I think most people would be like, too young, too young. Do you remember what you felt? Yeah, I do. So we didn't go to every room like there's some rooms in the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. that I did not ever see until I was an adult. Right. I've been many times because I think that that was very formative for me to understand the history of the people of which I am part of. My family was not part of the Holocaust. They came over from Russia during the pogroms. But obviously, Mm. you know, it's. Mm -hmm. It's all part of it. But I do remember going. I do remember being like captivated by it yeah, and like wanting to understand what had happened and how this could happen. And like in towards the front of the museum, there's like an area that I think is like directed towards children. It's like a little house that you can go in. And I think it's like a house in the ghetto. Right. And like, I remember being in there and being like, this is very small. 
Yeah. You know, and like I remember being like people lived here. And I remember we got the little passport that they give you about like who your person is and if they lived or died. Wow. Right. And like I remember all of that stuff and I remember it from older visits. But I also remember asking my mom about it after we were there because the first time I went, my brother was probably like 13 and him and my dad did like the whole thing. And my mom and I did like a truncated version. And so while we waited for them, I remember like asking her what was going on. And so my parents didn't have to do the full explanation of Hitler and Holocaust. Like they put us in front of it. You know, I remember watching Roots as a young girl. Yeah, same. You know, and like, so my dad didn't have to be like, this is the history of slavery. He could be like, Kunta Quinte wanted to say this because he was being defiant. Like, Like, this is what resistance looks like. And so I think that like books are the same in the way that they, those are tools that actually let parents off the hook in a lot of ways, because you can allow someone who's thought about it and is an expert in it to do a lot of the work for you. And then you get to have the conversations of sort of like unpacking. Absolutely. And the conversations are the most important, the the unpacking. Those are the, yeah, that's the important stuff. Like a lot of the the books and museums, whatever, that's just getting the knowledge out there to the person. Right. But I I stand by my parents' decision to take me to the Holocaust Museum. Absolutely. At, you know, Absolutely. at eight or nine. Yeah. I'm sure for some people, like, that's not appropriate for your kid or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, everyone knows this about me. I love nonfiction. I love war. Right. I, maybe it's because right. <laughs> I, I don't love war. I love reading about of it. Of course. Um, but, you know, I think these things are do shape us. And I think that if I had not had those experiences at a young age, I maybe wouldn't be who I am now because I wouldn't have discovered, you know, <laughs> my Jewish guilt. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and what's, what's so interesting to me about this is that, I mean, like, Heavy is about that, right? Like, like right. I'd watched Roots before with my mama, and we had an experience. And then, you know, I went to his white school for the first time in my, in my career, in my life, <laughs> in eighth grade, and we're watching Roots. I'm, like, one of a few black kids in the class. And that was it. Like, like you, you know, you watched... We watched Kunta Kente get his ass beat and had to call himself Toby and then had to go to recess. Right. Like, now, see, that's not healthy. Do you know what I mean? No. Like, there was no, let me check in. Y'all want to talk. Tell me what you're feeling, which is what I wish some parent or teacher would have said to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, well, that le- we did our black history shit. We, 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 we showed them right. roots. Like I, I don't. I, as an educator, I, I just don't think that's the way to go. I think you got to show them, but I think you also got to like check in. Right. Well, that's the hard part. Is like who is teaching the classes? I think right. for me, not that I agree with banning books at all, but a very heavy butt. That butt's carrying a lot. Okay, <laughs> to say, but I do. Un, I do feel that there are certain books I wouldn't want my children taught by certain teachers. Absolutely. And like, that's the hard part, you right. know, it's like how teachers are doing so much work in this pandemic and they're so overworked and all of these things. So I'm not shitting on any teacher, but what I am saying is just like what Katrina said is that teachers are human too. And they come into it with their own preconceived notions, their own lessons that they've learned, their own experiences. And I don't know that I just want any old teacher teaching my kid the bluest eye. No, I don't. I, I know I don't. I mean, right. But I mean, yeah. I mean but how teacher, do you do that? Well, I, again, like I, I, I think I think that once we understand that a book alone 
And this goes back against like a lot of what us literary people think, because sometimes I think we live in this world where we think the book that changed our lives. Right. But often it's the teacher who brought us into a text and a classroom who brought us out of a text that created an experience that often like worked against most of our experiences with books and classroom. Most of our my experiences with books and classrooms were horrid. Like I've read books like in classrooms that that I actually found out later were great. But the but the classroom and the teacher like didn't know what they were doing. So I agree with you. I I love that you're taking it into that direction because like if you're banning if you're banning these books at a school, like I'm wondering if the teachers in those classrooms are even necessarily equipped to teach those books if they haven't organized and pushed back against the ban. I'm not putting that responsibility on teachers because they have too much responsibility already, but I do think we need to think about the ways books are taught. But we can't, the problem is sometimes you can't even get to that if they're trying to just keep the material out of the hands of the kids. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely like multifaceted. I feel like we have to go. Um, okay. Because we've been talking a lot. I don't want to, as you know. <laughs> we can we can keep jamming offline, but All I right. do have um I have two more questions. For okay. You. Okay. <laughs> One is, what are some things people can do to support the stopping of these bannings? If you have any organizations or 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 ideas or thoughts about what folks can do. Well, I think I think the first thing people can do is that if if, if there are parents who are listening to this podcast, I think you should go to your school boards, go to your schools. Ask them what books, if any, have they decided, you know, will not be taught and and actually like make the school board, make the parents, make the folks have a conversation about those books. If those books happen to be books that are all written by people who are black, who are great at bookmaking, I think you need to really, really push and push and push and maybe push your child up out of that school. Right. Like that's that's one thing I think we can do. Um, The second thing I think that we can do is. And this is a larger philosophical question, but I think that like we we can do the work that we're trying to do here, which is to like mystify the book and not make the book just, you know, not not talk about the book as if it is like a bastion of virtue or like a bastion of villainy. Right. Like really fucking talk about the fact that books are fucked up because we're yeah. fucked up. But but there's some books who actually do care a lot about the children who might be reading these books. That doesn't mean that those books are going to be less fucked up, but it means that those children might be like the intended audience. And and so, like, if you're going to ban a particular book that actually takes your child's life seriously, (laughs) I would just encourage you not to have any more children. (laughs) And that's 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 my suggestion. Yeah, Yeah. I do want to say this before I ask you the last question, sort of about like. Because, I mean, we talked a lot about, like, books by Black authors. And I think also just, like, from what I've heard and, and learned this week from talking to people, it's also, like, such an aggressive attempt to to ban books by queer authors. Absolutely. And for me, what's troubling, the troubling difference between those two groups, though there is, of course, intersectionality, like someone like George M. Johnson, who is both Black and queer, of course, of course, of course, is that there is a push to ban the existence of of these humans, you know, like, I think like with a lot of the books by black authors who are not queer, it's about banning like resistance or banning obscenity and classifying black people as that. But I think when it comes to the like LGBTQIA books, it's about banning the existence of those lives, which is, you know, it's just really 
troubling, obviously, but also really cynical. Like because because I think black people have already been marked as obscene in this mm-hmm. country, right? And as, you know, resistant and and bad and naughty. For me, it doesn't the banning of books by black authors, while also very troubling, feels right in line to with everything that I've ever learned. And I feel like the banning of the books by queer authors is starting to feel like not that I'm surprised by it, but just like really we're getting to a place that is feeling very like dictatory. With oh, that. no question. And, you know? and what, what I love about what you're saying is like the, the, the fact is so many of these books that they're banning that, you know, we read as being, you know, they're banning black off. Like you can read the color purple as being like, like they're banning a black book, but like, that's a black, like that's a black queer book. That's a queer yeah. black book. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like heavy is not talked about as a queer black book or long division, but those to me are black books that like are exploring among other things like queerness, do you know? Yeah. And so like they they are absolutely attempting to take us back to when I was in high school where nobody could come out. Nobody right. could fucking like begin to talk about explorations of sexuality that were not so, you know, quote unquote normative or hetero. You know what I mean? Like like they are t- trying to take us back to that d- destructive place where lots and lots and lots of more kids were harming themselves because they could not fucking find or see themselves anywhere. Now, like yeah. this again, but your kid, like some of the parents who don't want their children to see these are queer. You know what I'm saying? Like right. some some of these kids are 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 qu- and so like imagine being like nah I know that this world is gonna fuck with you but I don't want you to see explorations of yourself in a book like that's right. what that's what they doing for it's like denial right yeah it's like the, major denial and erasure like you know which is a, which is a kind way to say like like scrubbing the identity of some like if you scrub someone's identity completely away you kill that person that's a kind of humiliation my question often is just like why do that to your child because i know this right. ain't about the book it's about what you feel about your child don't erase right. your child and if you're gonna erase your child last thing i'll say tracy is like don't use heavy don't use Morrison. Don't use George Johnson. Don't use Jason Reynolds. Because for better or worse, we do or and or are attempting to see that child and the relationship with the parent. But don't erase your child with us, not with our work. Right. That's brutal. We don't want to be complicit in that shit. You know? Yeah. No, I I do know. Okay, my last one. What's your favorite band book? Ooh. Uh, I want to come with something fresh, but it's the color purple. Which is banned like lots and lots and lots of places. That's a book that we read in school that we read poorly in school. (laughs) I'm going to revisit this year because I didn't like it in school. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't like it in school either. I didn't like it in school either, but I loved it outside of school when I could, you know, actually read it with some space and have a little context and understand like, you know, what it meant to directly address God as a little black queer girl, what it meant to like, you know, have these like really weird polyamorous relationships and shit going on with all like it, that it's, it's a wild mysterious wonderful book to me that that should not be banned i think people forget that it's carried by the voice of like a young a young you know young people yeah yeah, yeah. all right kisse um, thank you this was great thank you always everyone else thank you for coming with me us on this journey through a week of banned bookedness um Hopefully we never have to do this again. I mean, right. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure this is going to become an annual thing, but hopefully not. Uh, <laughs> hopefully between now and next year when we get ready to do this again, maybe all the books will be restored and I can have a week off, you know? Uh, is that too Thank much you. to ask? 
Thank you for doing it thorough too, though. Can I just say thank you for not just being like, what do you think about your book being banned? Like, thank you for actually like doing the research, connecting voices that don't get to talk to one another. I mean, this is the kind of thing that like we need to do if we want to be educated. And a lot of us sadly don't make time to. So I appreciate it. Well, thank you for encouraging me. I reached out to Kiese the day I had the idea and was like, is this corny? Am I a loser? And you were like, no, do it. So thank Mm. you for encouraging. Um, And everyone else, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back with regularly scheduled Wednesday episodes next Wednesday. So we'll see you in the stacks. All right, everybody, that's it. We have made it to the end of the first ever Banned Books in the Stacks week Thank you all so much for listening and sharing this mini series. I am honored beyond words to be a part of this community that cares so deeply and is willing to take action in defense of books. Our books are too important to be silenced. I want to thank all of our guests this week, Katrina Stokes, Thursday Williams, Allison Bechtel, Kelsey Reynolds, Senator Ghazala Hashmi, Hannah Oliver-Depp, Tamaya Wright, Azar Nafisi, and Kiese Lehman. All of them took the time to talk to me on super short notice, and I'm just so grateful for their insights. I also must give a humongous thank you to my incredible editor and partner in this endeavor, Christian Duenas. He is a star, and I have to say, he was given basically every opportunity to say no, and instead he said yes to this project, and he helped craft this week into what you all heard. So thank you so much, Christian. If you like this week of programming, if you like The Stacks and want to support the work we do here, please join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash The Stacks. The Stacks is a completely independent podcast, which means this show is made only thanks to listeners like you. Remember, the Stacks Book Club pick for February is I Live a Life Like Yours by Jan Gru. We will be discussing the book on the podcast on Wednesday, February 23rd with Tessa Miller. I also want to quickly just say thank you to Sam Pinkleton, Andrew Russell, Cree Miles, Joseph Papa, Taryn Roeder, Jackson Musker, and Jared Woods for helping make this week possible. Everything you heard in today's episode can be found in the link in the show notes. And for more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram, at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter, and check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. As I mentioned, our incredible editor is Christian Duenas, our graphic designer is Robin McCright, and our theme music is from Tagiragis. The Stacks is created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. 